everybody. I, uh, a couple of people said, you have a big voice. And I'm like, you mean I'm a loud mouth? <laughs> it's kind of true. So, uh, I inherited my father's voice that projects, but if I give out before you give out listening, hey, we'll be all right. But uh, thank you, Maurice, for inviting me. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm talking about marriage without my wife. This is kind of like a commercial. She approved these notes. <laughs> kind of like one of those political ads. Uh, we have the alternating men and women's midweeks. She missed the last time because we were out of town, and she's going to miss two weeks from tonight because we're out of town, and she just thought she needed to be there tonight. So uh, I apologize. we apologize that uh, she can't be here. I like talking about marriage, and uh, let me say, tell you some things about marriage that maybe, uh, okay, here's, here's what it's like to be married. Someone sleeps in a room too cold. Next to somebody in the room too hot. Okay. Uh, here's a conversation between a couple that have been married for a while. She said, Honey, without your glasses, you still look like the man I married. And he says, Honey, without my glasses, you still look pretty good. (laughs) That's not good. A couple more. The husband says, he's just frustrated. He says, how can you be so beautiful but so dumb? She says, God made me beautiful so you'd love me. God made me dumb so I love you. A couple came to a wishing well. So the wife leaned over, made a wish, threw in a penny. The husband decided to make a wish too. But he leaned over too much, fell in the well and drowned. The wife was stunned for a moment, but then smiled. It really works. Okay, okay, one more. Okay, it's not football season. But this is about the Super Bowl. Okay, a man has 50-yard line tickets for the Super Bowl. He sits down. Another man comes and asks if anyone's sitting in the seat next to him. He says, no, the seat's empty. So the one guy says, that's incredible. Who in their right mind would have a seat like this for the Super Bowl, the biggest sporting event in the world, and not use it? Well, the first guy says... You know, actually, the seat belongs to me. I was supposed to come with my wife, but she passed away. This is the first Super Bowl we haven't been together since we got married in 1967. The other guy says, I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. Couldn't you find someone else, a friend, a relative, even a neighbor to take the seat? The man shakes his head and says, no, they're all at the funeral. true stories. I mean, anyway. Uh, Look with me, please, at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. I do appreciate getting to come and uh, talk about being married. It is awesome. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Again, I apologize that uh, Mary Lee wanted to 
to apologize that she couldn't be here. Okay. Uh, before the days of big things on the screen. Okay. This is where it all started. I know we looked like we were 12. If you can see it close enough. I've been 21 for a week. She's been 21 for three weeks. We really knew what we were doing. Oh, my goodness. This is August 16, 1969. 49 years ago, this summer, a couple of months. Bree said, I'm humbled, honored to serve as an elder in the church. Also in the full-time ministry, uh, we work with uh, the region in New Jersey. Uh, God has blessed us in a lot of ways. We've got a great family. Uh, we've got three very grown kids. Our son's been married 25 years. That's right. Whoa, stop. Uh, our son is an evangelist in the L.A. church. Uh, he's in the ministry. He writes music. Be with me, Lord. I need your love. Praises heard around the world, Anchor for the Soul, a lot of songs that we sing, Brian wrote, we're really proud of him. They have three children, Uh, their oldest son is graduating from high school two weeks from tonight. He's been a Christian about two and a half years. They have a son just finishing his sophomore year in high school. He counted the cost in December and is still a little stuck. So, we're praying... His little sister just finished the 8th grade and she was baptized two weeks ago. (laughs) She's gone ahead of him. I'm not sure if that's helping him or setting him back right now, but uh, it was great to watch that in the Pacific Ocean on my phone (laughs) in New Jersey. Uh, Then we have two daughters. They both live very near us in New Jersey. One's five minutes, one side, one five minutes, the other side. I think they're getting ready for having to take care of us. That's awesome. But uh, they both have three children. Her older daughter married a man from Istanbul, Turkey. And he came to the U.S. to get an MBA. And he met our daughter in the Lord in that order. That's another long story, but it's got a real happy ending. They've been married 20 years. Son just finishing eighth grade, a son finishing fifth grade, and a little girl about to graduate from kindergarten. <laughs> and then our other daughter married a man who's Japanese. We got great food in our family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he grew up in Alaska, but his parents are Japanese and married very much into their culture and heritage. And they have three children. They have a daughter just finishing the seventh grade and a son finishing fifth grade and a little boy just finishing the second grade. And, uh, you know, it's, it's genetics. That daughter's got red hair and green eyes and a Japanese husband and kids who don't look a single thing like her. <laughs> they look like her dad. In fact, my granddaughter said recently, she said, you know, when we go places, I feel sorry for my mom because nobody thinks we're her children. <laughs> Amen. That's the way it works. Um, how many of you have been married like five years or less? we got a few. Okay. Amen. How many like 10 to 20? Uh, quite a few. Yeah, you're right. 20 to 40? Oh, that's a lot of Over 40? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 
There's so many things that we could say. And so I always think, okay, I, you know, I got one time here. Maybe I'll get invited back. But, but one time to uh, just, what is what, what makes this work? Now, I think, I want to say it's a given that we're trying to be like Jesus and trying to be Christians and read the Bible every day and, and pray. And, you know, I mean, there's some things I just want to assume. But, you know, it really is about love. I mean, this was God's plan in the beginning. Not good for Adam to be alone. Made a helper for him. Bible says God is love. And, you know, when our world thinks about love, they either think about the physical part of love or they think about some kind of emotion or, you know, romance. And and, and those things are part of love. But when you look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, and you remember the context... There are just a lot of issues in the church in Corinth. You know, if you've been in the church in a long time, we've been up, we've been down, we do great, we do bad, we do lots, because we're trying to be like Jesus, but we're humans. I mean, we've never seen a church as bad as Corinth yet, so amen. I mean, they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of jealousy. And so Paul's trying to help them realize how much they need each other. And in the midst of that, he says, let me tell you what really matters. And so he talks about love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge. If I have faith, that can move mountains, have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, but am not love, I'm nothing. And then here is a biblical definition of love. And you know this, this is a new. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We could just all just sit and meditate on this passage for about a half an hour, and we'd be better off, probably. Because these are challenging things, real things. You notice these things also are deeper than emotion. They involve some emotions, but these are actions that can be willed, can be controlled. I can be patient with the help of the Holy Spirit, whether I feel patient or not. These are things we work on. And as I think about this, particularly with marriage, you know, I want to think this can be key. I want to spell out love, L-O-V-E. Okay. Here's what we're going to talk about. L, listen to one another. O, overlook the small things. V, value input. And E, encourage daily. I'm probably not going to say anything you haven't heard before, especially of our big group here that have been married 20 to 40 years. Kind of some basic things, but maybe they'll uh, hopefully be a helpful reminder. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be reminded, sometimes real frequently, about the things that I know and have deliberately forgotten or accidentally forgotten. Okay, turn with me please to Proverbs. Proverbs 18. We'll look at a couple of Proverbs. I'm going to have to talk fast. Marie said I could go two hours, but I don't think he's probably going to do that. He gave me some instructions, so I'll try to, I won't tell you what they are, but I'll try to follow them. Uh, Proverbs 18. Two. Proverbs 18. Two. Okay. Listen to each other. This proverb says, a fool 
finds no under pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. That's a good marriage passage. Look back at uh, Proverbs 11, 12. 11, 12. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds what? His tongue. We can probably all quote James 1, 19 and 20. Be quick to what? Listen. Slow to what? Speak. Yes. And then slow to get angry. Listening. I've gone down some bad roads when I wasn't listening. You know, communication. <laughs> really the number one problem in marriage. I mean, it gets people at odds. It's not money. It's not sex. It's not. It's communicating, isn't it? Because yeah. when you can't talk about the things that that are... Having you in conflict with each other, you don't agree about communication. Most couples in our world don't really talk. I saw on television, it's been a few years ago, it was like Big Night NBC or 2020 or one of those shows, and they were following a couple around for several weeks. They were a couple in the late 30s, they had two or three kids. And they were kind of doing a documentary to see what their life was like. I, the couple happened to live in New Jersey. They found that that couple talked to each other. How, much, how often do you think, how much time do you think they talk to each other every day? Two minutes. I don't mean conversations about what time you pick up the kids from school. I mean talking. And as at the end of that time when the, uh, the uh, producer sat down with a couple, they were shocked. They really didn't know that they spent so little time talking. Other than, it's your turn to do the dishes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, what I know after almost 49 years, the one thing that makes my wife really feel loved, and that is my goal according to Ephesians 5, to love her as Christ loved the church, is when I listen to her. Why is it so hard to listen? Somebody, why? Yeah, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. Or I got, you know, I'm, I'm jumping to my conclusion. Yeah. I think I, I already know. Yeah, I think I already know. I mean, we, you know, there, there are books and courses about listening, aren't there? Communication and particularly listening. It is something we got to work on. I have learned. I've got a little uh, uh, study office in my basement. And Mary Lou comes down sometimes to ask me different things. And I appreciate she's... She tries to be sensitive and, you know, and, and not popping in every two seconds when I'm working on a sermon or something. But here's what I've also noticed. I don't multitask as, think as, as well as I think I do. The laptop is open and she's talking. And guess what I'm probably more likely doing than listening to her, looking at it. I mean, it just kind of really helped our communication when I learned when she came in to close the laptop. Pretty simple, isn't it? Sometimes I don't want to do it. I mean, I do, but I don't. You know, you get it. But it definitely helps her feel like what she has to say is important. And because we... If you've been married more than about a week, you know how different you are. In a lot of ways. We think differently. We process differently. I think real fast and I come to conclusions real fast. Although it's kind of superficial because the conclusion I come to now and the conclusion five minutes later may be real different. But I've learned i got to slow down and not, what you said, jump to conclusions about what I think or, or my comeback or my reasons. You know, listening... It, it, 
we know it's more than just things coming into our, our brain. It's trying to understand, isn't it? You know, one, one of the most popular books written in recent years uh, by Stephen Covey, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And he, makes, he, he states a principle, one of those seven habits, kind of paraphrasing, is seek to understand before being understood. That is profound, isn't it? That really is kind of genuine. All right. I wasn't listening. <laughs> All right. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. In other words, if I can say back to my wife what I think she's saying, what I'm hearing, and I get it, then we're going to communicate. You know, this, this can, you can learn this in a simple way. Many years ago when we were living in Brooklyn, we got with this couple, great couple, spiritual couple, good couple, but they just kept bumping. They just kept missing each other. And, you know, we said to them, why don't you say to her, here's what I'm hearing you say. And then repeat, I'm hearing you say this. You know, about a month later, we had this follow-up talk, and he's like, this was revolutionary. I found out I'm, miss- I'm, I'm missing what she's saying about half the time. Just from a simple thing of repeating it back and seeing if you got it before I make my next point. You know, we, we are different. We respond in different ways. Again, it's a whole other topic about how... Even just how we grew up affects us differently. Some people grew up in a home where there's just a lot of, lot of talk and action and everything. And, and they kind of learned to live in that and listen in that. And for some people, it's real quiet. And, and you know, and then you both think the other's family is weird and you got to deal with that and all that stuff. But um, really listening and so that you understand. So that you understand. You know, it is funny. We're, we're, we're so much to learn. Sometimes I feel like we're still learning, and it's great. I want to still be learning. You know, even the, 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 the growing up differently. You know, my mother died when I was 11 years old, and my father never remarried. And he was uh, very much involved in a lot of stuff. We had a lot of people in our home a lot. We had a lot of people over a lot. We didn't have a mom. So we had a, a woman who lived with us, kind of a surrogate grandmother. We had a woman who worked for us. So my father would say... We're going to have so-and-so over to eat Friday night. I'd like for you to cook this, 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 please. All right, we got married. And I said to Mary Lou, we're, let's have so-and-so over to eat Friday night, and I'd like for you to cook this, this, this. For some reason, she wasn't too fired up about that. I mean, my dad was really polite, but he was giving order. And I found out giving orders to your wife is not great. I had to listen to get that, you know, when, when Mary Lou's parents were great, uh, she had a much more normal upbringing than I. Her dad was an elder in the church, uh, both in the Mainline Church of Christ and, and our fellowship in the Chicago Church. Uh, her mom was definitely the more feisty. She didn't like for us to apply that word to her, but it's true. And if they would have an upset, her mom had learned she needed to go for a walk and calm down before she talked. Yeah. Amen. And that, you know, you got to learn what, what will help you be able to listen. So the first time, I remember, we hadn't been married very long. We had some kind of bump and Mary Lou's out the door and she's gone. <laughs> I'm like, I've run her off already. Is she going to come back? I don't know. She didn't tell me that's what her mom did. I didn't know that's what she was supposed to do. I'm just saying, you know, the communicating, you learn all those things. Okay, let's go on. Time to talk. 
Mary Lou and I go to a diner near us every Monday morning and just talk. We plan our week, we talk, I gotta go on. Okay. Overlook the small things. L for listening to O. Overlook the small things. That passage in James says, not easily angered. Uh, slow to be angered. This, First uh, Corinthians 13 talks about keeps no record of wrongs. You know, forgiveness is, is so important, isn't it? I mean, if we don't forgive, guess who's not going to forgive us? God. I mean, we know those verses. I do think, though, sometimes as Christians, we learn to kind of forgive the big things, and sometimes the little things are harder. And here's what I mean. Okay, after 49 years, one thing we've learned is some things are never going to change. I'm not talking about necessarily character things. I'm just talking about the kind of day-to-day things. Cause, because, again, we're different. Uh, go Proverbs 17. Let's do Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Next, a couple of chapters. This is awesome. Proverbs 19:11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Some things just aren't going to change, and we just have to decide. I'm just going to. I'm going to roll with the flow of this thing. Okay. For me, I probably have some kind of some kind of mental neurotic neurotic disorder or something. About wanting and needing to be places on time. And I don't mean on time, I mean like early, early on time. My dad was that way. It was annoying when I was young. I grew up and had to work at not annoying my kids about it. I just, I had to, I, I got here tonight at 6.30. Yes. 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 Hey, I had to cross the George Washington Bridge. It's pretty, if there's anything predictable about it, it's, it's unpredictable. Okay, my wife does not exactly share quite the same conviction. <laughs> and in early years, I was, I, I was pretty, I, I never yelled, I never raised my voice, anything, but that look, I mean, I was, I, I know I gave her a hard time about it, and I had to change that. But she just has learned to adapt to me. Before the days of smartphones, she just always had a book with her. So when we would get here and we sit in the car for a half hour, she's got her book to read. Now the smartphone era is awesome because she's got plenty to do. Yes. And it's funny because I texted her when I got here. <laughs> I said, I'm here um, about an hour, hour early. Smiley face. <laughs> I just, I just, I mean, it's a strength and it's an annoyance. And I don't think it's going to change. There's some things about her that are just never going to change. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because that's none of your business. (laughs) And it may get back to her somewhere. I just learned, so we laugh. Sometimes I just learn to say, oh, that's so cute. And she knows I think she did something really annoying, but it's okay. Look, life's too short to get all bent out of shape about stuff that doesn't matter. Especially if you're married to somebody who's a Christian. And if you're not, it's, it's, it's also significant because you're trying to be a good example. I just said to her, i got to lighten up about some stuff. You know, some stuff, you, you read in these books, one of you like things straight, one of you is not so straight. Okay, if I like things straight, then let me pick it up instead of nag about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or just, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll say this. Uh, 
One time, a few years ago, I was talking to a brother. You know, it's great to have Christian friends that you just are, can always be completely real with. You can just vomit all your stuff on. They, they're still going to love you. They may need to give you a little sharp kick, but they're going to love you and all that. So, I had this kind of relationship with a brother. And one day he said to me, he said, you know, I have noticed something. You never seem to be mad or irritated at Mary Lou. Wow. That's interesting, because I think I get that way sometimes. And I started thinking about it, and I realized it was that's not about me, that's about her. Why do I say that? We had some rough spots in our marriage early on. We had some times when I just was not a very loving husband. And I, 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 I wish I could undo it a long time ago, but still. She was so gracious and loving and forgiving and never bringing up the past and... I mean, big things. I mean, what I'm saying is, it would be awful for me to be irritated about this when all of this is there. Our history. Sometimes we just got to back up. So again, that's not about me. It's about response to her. Sometimes we got to back up and say, does this really matter? Okay. A couple more. Let's see. Where are we? All right. Listen. Number two. Or number one. Two. Oh. Overlook the small things. Number three. Value input. Value input. Proverbs 24.3. Oh, there's so many Proverbs. I've been reading Proverbs the last couple of weeks. I read the Bible through every year in the chronological Bible. You know, I know you know this. The Bible is not arranged chronologically by the way the books happen. Some of them are, some of them aren't. And uh, the Bible's inspired. I don't think the order that the books are placed in. Is inspired, and so people tried to go back and fit the prophets into where they happened historically, and the, and it, I love it. I love it. Been doing it every year for probably 15 years. And I've been in the proverbs, and they've been awesome. This is one of many proverbs like this. 24:3. By wisdom a house is built; through understanding it is established; through knowledge its rooms are filled. Rare and beautiful treasures. Wise man has power. A man of knowledge increases strength. All oh, that's awesome. How does wisdom and knowledge often come, though? Here it is. Verse 6. For waging war, you need guidance. For victory, many advisors. There are many proverbs with this idea of many advisors. We've got to value input. We've got to be willing to learn. I think we first, honestly, in our marriages, need to be willing to learn from each other. Here again, because we are different. I don't know, because I grew up in a single-parent home and there was just dysfunction galore. I don't know what made me think that I was always right about everything. And I just had to realize my wife may think differently and respond differently, but I need her input. I need her perspective. It's a whole other lesson that sometimes we do about two becoming one. About we are, we are more complete, we're smarter, we're stronger together. Because our strengths, our weaknesses and strengths get all combined in a really good way. Value input from each other. I, ha- I had to learn to appreciate my wife's perspective. Even when I'm like, I don't get how you think that way. And I learned not to say it that way. <laughs> but... My way of viewing it was often not right. right. Or there was a different way or a better way to do things. And you know, those of us been, you know you think you got to get married so you have kids. And that's a whole nother arena of trying to put your perspectives together. 
And because Mary Lou and I grew up so differently, I was basically completely on my own after 11. And just, you know, I just, you know, why shouldn't our kids do that? I mean, I just, stop! <laughs> okay, valuing input from each other and obviously from other people. Here's the thing. None of us see ourselves clearly. I may see myself clearly 95% of the time, which would be a pretty high percentage. But that 5% can really mess me up. And in our marriages, it can mess us up. I remember really sadly, I think this is when we lived in Brooklyn too. We, we got with a couple and, and you know, we were trying to help them meet each other's needs. The wife said, it would help me when you came home from work, when you came in the door, you would just come and greet me and give me a hug. That seems a pretty reasonable request, doesn't it? He wouldn't do it. He just thought, that's silly. That's women's stuff. And no matter how much we tried to help, and you know the sad thing is, years later, guess what? They're divorced. They're not in the church anymore. This value input is even, it's bigger than marriage. I, I, I know we know that, but, you know, let other people help us. And here's the thing. Sometimes we think it takes somebody who's been married twice as long with a Ph.D. in family to be able to help me. No. It just takes somebody more objective than me. They may be messed up too, but they can see how I'm not. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I look back over 49 years of being married and more than 40 years in our fellowship from the Mainline Church of Christ to the campus ministry movement and all the different things that have happened since then. So more than 40 years, we've been in a discipling relationship with somebody. Twice! There have been couples older than we. And that's a total of about three years. And one of those couples was five years older than we. Like, come on. One was more 20 years old. Okay. What I'm saying is, we got a lot of help from people that were way younger than we. Just because they could see what I couldn't see about myself. And uh, here's the thing. This is a tough thing. I think, guys, this is really, you know, we're like, we can communicate to our wives. Don't you talk about what's going on. No, no, no. Don't you talk about what's going on. There's a one word for that. Begins with a P. Yeah, the wife said it, pride. Guys, we just, you know, this is the most important relationship we have. This is the only lifelong relationship. I love my kids. I'm glad they went off and don't live at home anymore. I mean, they got, you know, we, we need other people. Are you willing to get help? Are you willing to get help consistently or, you know, when you need, are, are you willing? Are you going to get mad if your spouse calls somebody? Mary Lou knows she can call my friend. Now, probably in the last 15 years, maybe twice, she said she's going to call him. That got my attention real fast. <laughs> okay, what do you want me to do? No, I don't mind. We, we, we talked to her. But I mean, no, she knows that. And I mean that, even if I may not feel fired up in the moment. We just, we, we're in the church together for a reason. This community to help each other. Yeah. And there again, sometimes, you know, if you've been, if you've been trying to help people a long time... You know, so, sometimes, you know, you go home in the car, you think, boy, we helped them with that. We need to be helping ourselves with it. Because that's just reality. But again, I can see you way more clearly than I can see this. I can give you great advice. And then Mary and me in the way home say, uh, by the way, can you take that? No. But we, we need to value input. Okay. Uh, the last thing. Okay. We've talked about L. Listen. O. Overlook. Overlook the small things. Sometimes you've got to overlook the big things. But I think... You know, I read a couple of days ago, Solomon talks about the little foxes that destroy the vineyard. Sometimes it's those little irritants. Your spouse may never stop forgetting to put away the toothbrush or, you know, fill in the blanks. Is that worth being upset over all of them? I hear you. 
Number three, value input. Number four, encourage each other daily. Let's look at the verse, we know it, Hebrews 12. And you know, a lot of these, all of these verses really are not specifically written about marriage, but they certainly apply. The writer of Hebrews talks about how easy it can be for our hearts to get hard and to get led away by sin to where we don't even believe anymore. And if we've been around a long time, we've seen that happen to people we love. And none of us are immune from that. Something that helps prevent that is the encouragement we get from each other. And so... The writer says, Hebrews 3, verse 12, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's the thing. The longer we're married, the more we know about each other. Potentially, the more there is to be critical about. And sometimes, isn't it easier to see what's wrong than what's right? Because just we're, we're, we're different, we're selfish. We're selfish. You know, quite a few years ago, we got with this couple that had having a lot of bumps in their marriage. They've been married about a year. They both were in their 30s when they got married. And that's great, except they had a lot of patterns to change. I mean, you know, the longer... We were 21. We didn't know anything anyway. We grew up together. But, so, the brother, the brother said... I don't know what happens. I think I just got married and became selfish. <laughs> and I really started laughing. And said, uh, I think you've probably always been selfish. It just gets exposed. You know? I mean, even with the brothers, they didn't care if he picked up his clothes. They didn't care, you know, okay. Encouraging each other. Do you notice the things to praise and encourage? But you do notice more of the bad things that you feel like you got to point out. It's easy to fall into that. You know, wives. Solomon said it, not me. Those passages about nagging wives. Like a constant dripping of rain. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more because I want to leave if you all are still liking me. But the things that... And I will say, since I mentioned nagging, guys, sometimes they feel like they got a nag because we ain't doing what we're supposed to do. We set ourselves up for it. That's a whole other topic. Encouragement. You know, about 15 years ago... We went to a big seminar. Uh, it was a, quote, religious seminar, Christian, quote, you know, not in our fellowship, denominational. Uh, it was in a arena of about 15,000 people, conducted by a man named Gary Smalley, who's passed away now, but who wrote a lot of marriage books. Some really good stuff. And at that time, he'd been married, I think, 40 years or something. He said something that he did every morning to try to set the tone of the day. He said when he got up, the first time he saw his wife, he said, oh, I get to be with you today. I thought, that's cool. <laughs> that is really cool. And it wasn't just a little act. I mean, you, you got to say that with some sincerity. Or just, you know. I said, I'm going to do that. And I'm telling you, I don't think I've missed many days in about 15 years. And, and sometimes, you know, I, and I don't want it to be a little, oh, I get to be with you today. You know. <laughs> Because when I stop and think about it, that's true. We got 49 years of history. We've lived a lot of places. We've known a lot of people. We've got kids and they've got kids. But, you know, this is this lifelong relationship. Men, what can you say that encourages your wife? And, and again, you know, if you go home and try to encourage each other, please don't respond like we well, are just doing it because he said so. Okay. Let's give each other a break. It's okay if you're doing it for that reason, if you're trying to learn. You know, 
Sometimes we just make it hard for each other. You know, when you're dating, you try to find out what the other person likes. You know, whether it's flowers or cards or places to go. So that stops when you get married. No need to do that anymore. No, you know, there's lots of encourage, encourage each other, I think, verbally. We need to say those things. I don't remember much about my parents' relationship because my mother got sick and had cancer. I do know my family. Nobody said I love you. I mean, I know my grandparents. We spent a lot of time with them after my mother died, even though we didn't live close to them. Nobody ever said I love you, my family. I think it's a good thing to say. It's a good thing to say husbands and wives, you know, or thank you, or I appreciate you doing this today. Other ways to encourage. I found out on Mondays when we go to our diner and we talk, we plan our week, and I write down things on my list that really would like for us to get done this week. You know what encourages her? Guess what? When I do it! Boy, that's real profound, isn't it? Every once in a while, like, I'm sorry, this is moved from the list from last week. You know? Uh, it encourages my wife to wash the dishes in the sink. <laughs> you know, she's got rheumatoid arthritis. There's just a lot, a lot of stuff that she used to do that she can't do anymore. And so, hey, you know, amen, my turn. Uh, <laughs> wives, what encourages your husbands? You know, I'm sure some of you are familiar with that book about the five love languages. And there's some good things in there because what encourages me doesn't necessarily encourage her. Right. So I'm trying to find that out. Okay, where, where have we been as we wrap this up here? Love. You know, after God, this marriage relationship is our first priority. I'd venture to say even really before the church. You know what I mean? I mean, they go together if you're disciples. But this is the first human relationship that God established. There was a reason for it. This really is the only lifelong relationship we have that God has given us. This relationship is more important than our kids. It's more important than our jobs. It's more important than really anything else you can think. I mean, I understand a relationship with God is the foundation, but you get what I'm saying? And we found out, you know, we still, after 49 years, we still, we still learn new things about each other, and it's fun. You know, recently, uh, I guess two, three months ago, it was one of those cold nights. Randy said, I want some warm milk. And she's drinking. I said, you like warm milk? See, yeah, I have warm milk kind of often. I'm like, really? <laughs> we married all these years. I don't really like warm milk. That's a small thing. Sometimes we learn big things that we still need to learn. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Love. All those things. I'm, I'm spelling it out tonight. L, listen. Two, overlook. Three, value. Value input. Four, encourage. I want to close. Uh, I have this card in my file that uh, our son Brian wrote us when he was getting married. As I mentioned, he's a musician. He's also an artist. You can tell it was 1993 because of the teal green that was the color that was real popular then. And that's what the bridesmaid's dresses were. But he's got, you know, this bouquet on it. And I want to read you this because particularly when we have kids at home, you're building a legacy. Because you know, even though you may grow up, and say, I'll never do that that my mother did or say that that my dad said. Oh, yes, you do. What we're trying to do is give our kids the best example possible. I want to, I want to read this. Because uh, it's not really about Mary Lou and me. It's about this. It's about this. It's yeah. about this. It's about... I'm the... I grew up in a very conservative Church of Christ family. I'm the only one in my family not divorced. Uh. That's a reason. It's our fellowship. And help me God. My son wrote this. Wow. This is the day before his wedding. Wow. I can't believe this is it. Pretty incredible, huh? 
What can I say? You guys have given me everything, underline. I owe everything I am to you, my salvation, my great life, and a marriage I know will be fantastic. I know I don't deserve to be so greatly blessed. I feel that my life is awesome because of you, the struggles you've endured, your humility, perseverance, and faith. And most of all, your love. I know my marriage will be great because I've had the perfect model. I know my family will be great because ours is and has been. My kids will have a great childhood because of the great one you gave me. I know it's all to the glory of God. Only because of his word and being disciples. I know God is rejoicing at this wedding, one done his way, and so destined only for success. Thank you so much for the incredible life you've given me. I pray you feel as happy and encouraged by our wedding as I do. I love you tons, Brian. 25 years ago. 25 years ago. You know, by the grace of God, they built a family that gives honor and glory to God. So, what's it about? Love. Love. We got to love each other. Let me pray. God, thank you for creating marriage. Thank you for seeing that Adam needed a lot of help. Uh, Thank you for creating this amazing relationship. Father, we know that it does uh, bring out the best in us and sometimes the worst in us. We pray that we can just every day try to be like Jesus. We can try to love the way you love us. That we can love the spouses that you've given us. That we can, you know, just work on ourselves and uh, really give you glory and honor and be a great example to our families, to our children, to our grandchildren, to our neighbors, to the people we reach out to. Thank you for your plan. Thank you that your plan works. I thank you for uh, the brothers and sisters here and uh, just that throughout this great metropolitan area and our nation and our world. Disciples gather to worship you and encourage each other. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.